sparklers. Welcome to A Sparkling Vintage Life, where we talk about all things vintage and celebrate the grace and charm of an earlier era. I'm your host, Jennifer Leo, and this is episode number 28. It's April 8th, 2020 as I record this, and we're still under advisement or even mandate to stay home as the COVID-19 epidemic continues to rage. Since so many of my listeners are now working from home for perhaps the first time ever, today I want to talk to you about my top 10 tips for working from home. This is a little departure from my normal focus on vintage living, but as a writer, editor, and podcaster, I've been working at home um, for over 15 years, so I want to share some things that have worked for me. But don't worry, I will keep the vintage vibe going with uh, a little tidbit at the end for you vintage lovers, so either hang in there or uh, skip to the end if all you really want is something vintage. Um, Before we get to the topic of working at home, though, I have a couple small tidbits to report. First, this podcast received the loveliest review this week. Listener Seven Germ gave us five stars and wrote, Like lemonade while sitting on a rocker on the front porch in the summer heat, this podcast is peaceful, cheery, and refreshing. Thank you. Well, thank you, dear listener. If I could pick three words that describe what I hope to achieve with this podcast, good ones would be peaceful, cheery, and refreshing. So I'm thrilled to hear it's affecting listeners that way. If you enjoy this podcast, I'd be awfully grateful if you'd leave a review wherever you find your podcasts. That's the best way to let other kindred spirits know we're here so they can join us on our journey toward a sparkling vintage life. The other bit of news is that my latest novel, Moondrop Miracle, will be releasing on May 1st in ebook, print, and large print formats. But you can pre order the book right now on Amazon and it will be sent to you on release day. Moondrop Miracle is set largely in the 1930s, and it follows a young wife and mother whose life is completely disrupted by the stock market crash of 1929. She finds she must suddenly support herself and her young son with more cleverness than cash. It's a story that will resonate with many of us as we grapple with world events that we have absolutely no control over, and we'll have to stretch our resources to make ends meet. I'll put a link in the show notes at sparklingvintagelife.com slash podcast under episode 28, or just search on Amazon for Moondrop Miracle by Jennifer Lamont Leo. And now, on to our topic. At first blush, the topic of working from home might not seem to have much to do with living vintage. After all, most of us are only able to do so with the use of computers and other modern technology. But the principles of working from home are timeless, and women of earlier generations have had a lot to say about it, as we'll see. So here are my top 10 tips for working at home. Number one, get dressed. It's tempting to get right to work while still in our bathrobes, and I must admit I fall into this trap more often than I care to admit. (laughs) 
But getting dressed and groomed makes a big difference in both the way you feel and the way you approach your work. Plus, you'll be spared the embarrassment of needing to participate in a Zoom meeting or a video conference call on short notice with your hair askew and your face unwashed. If you can't stand getting dressed too early, do it in stages. In the morning especially, when I like to do the bulk of my writing, I work in sprints of 45 minutes on, 15 minutes off. It's a variation on the Pomodoro technique, and maybe I can talk to you about that in a future episode. But anyway, that it means 45 minutes of concentrated writing, and then 15 minutes to get up from my desk and do something else. And then I repeat the cycle. So if I happen to start my writing day before I've gotten dressed, then I catch up in stages. For example, during my first 15-minute break, maybe I'll shower and put on clothes. And then during my second 15-minute break, I'll put on makeup and do my hair. By the time I get to lunchtime, I'm dressed and ready for anything. I try to schedule most of my video conferences or meetings in the afternoon, so not only can I write uninterrupted in the morning, but I'll also know I'll be properly presentable by then. So tip number one is to get dressed. Tip number two, have a firm start and end times to your workday. Sometimes these will be dictated by your employer or sometimes by your clients. My husband has always started his workday early because while we're on Pacific time, he has several clients on the East Coast who are already three hours into their workday when we're just pouring our first cups of coffee. I like to start my workday at 9 and end at 5 or 6 o'clock depending on my workload, but that does include a two-hour break in the middle of the day when I eat lunch or take a nap or take a walk, sometimes do a household chore or two. The point is to not let your workday overflow into family and personal time. Put firm boundaries on it if you can. Number three is to establish some rhythms and rituals to define your workday. For example, when I sit down at my desk in the morning, I've already done my personal morning routine which includes um, some things around the house and my personal devotional time. Um, Maybe I'll share my morning routine in a future podcast. Um, But I have little rituals to start and end my workday as well. At the start of my workday, I allow myself 15 minutes on email and Facebook. That's important to um, put a timer on that so social media doesn't gobble up my whole day. I'll pop in and out during the day Um, too, sometimes when I take a break, but it's really important not to get sucked into it and find an hour has gone by (laughs) that I uh, can't account for anything because I've been on Pinterest or whatever. So um, then after I check in, um, make sure nothing urgent is waiting for me, I check my planner for what I have to do that day. I keep a paper planner because I'm old school that way. And then I have the current project I'm working on in front of me. And I pray over that project and the events coming up that day. And then ideally, I set my timer for 45 minutes and I start writing. I write in my my sprints, as I described them earlier. I write until lunch. 
at noon, and then after my two-hour break, I do administrative and marketing and meetings and all those other aspects of running a business that aren't writing, but they're necessary to get done. Um, and then at the end of the day, I have an end-of-day, end-of-workday routine as well. I close down the project I'm working on. I tally up the day's word count. I note any income or expenses for that day. I jot a note to myself in a journal about how the day went and whatever I'm grateful for. And um, at the beginning of 2020, I tried to clear my email inbox as well at the end of each day. I tried to follow the inbox zero method, but um, I haven't been able to keep up with it. And I don't know how many hundred of emails now clutter my inbox, but maybe I'll try it again. So that's my work day. So number three was establish some rhythms and rituals to define your work day. Number four is assign a theme to each day of the week. For example, some of my colleagues use Monday for marketing, Tuesday for social media, Wednesday for client calls, etc. This works best if you're in control of your workload and your schedule and what order you do your work in versus an employer telling you what to do when. I've had a little less success sticking to daily themes, um, but one thing that has worked for me is financial Fridays. <laughs> On Fridays, I update my accounts, I make sure all clients are billed and that bills are paid. I also clean out my purse and organize my wallet for the coming week, um, which I must say being uh, in uh, staying at home all these weeks um, my purse stays a lot more organized and clean because <laughs> I'm not out running around throwing things into it. So there's one bright spot. Um, but Financial Fridays works for me. It's the one theme day that has worked for me, part partially because I find um, financial tasks um, sort of annoying and stressful. I don't like to work with um, money or with... Uh, math. So to, to confine it to one day and say on the other days, you know, I don't have to worry about that today. I'll worry about that on Friday. It really helps um, the way my brain works. So number four is to assign a theme to each weekday. Number five is to not be afraid of learning new things. Working from home, if you're not used to it, may require you to use some new-to-you technology like Zoom to have meetings, or um, Trello or other collaborative software to work with other people. I don't love learning new technology, but it does feel satisfying to master something new. Lest we stray too much from the topic of vintage living, remember that writers of old who often worked from home had to master new technology too. It was the technology of their day, but they too, they had to learn how to use a typewriter maybe, and a telephone if they weren't used to that, uh, maybe a dictating machine. So old timers weren't let off the hook either. Number six um, is a tip that may appeal a little more to our vintage loving hearts is to step away from the computer. Look for ways to work away from any of your screens. Handwrite some of your notes or your sketches or ideas with an old-fashioned pen and paper. 
Stand up and write on a whiteboard or on an old-school chalkboard. Carry your work out to the porch or a garden on a nice day. Maybe instead of sending an email, particularly if it's non-urgent, um, send a note through old-fashioned postal mail, um, especially if it's something like a thank you or um, something else um, that's not an, an urgent work matter but still helps you stay in touch with colleagues and clients. Um, or just go into another room of your house, one that's not set up with computers. That can be very mentally refreshing as well. Number seven is to eat lunch. You need the break away from your desk. Feed yourself good brain food like protein and vegetables. Drink your water and reconnect with your family or your housemates if you have any. Um, try to avoid the temptation to just eat a sandwich with one hand while you're typing at your desk with the other. Um, that doesn't help anyone feel refreshed or relaxed. So number seven is to eat lunch. Number eight, drink a lot of water. Not only is water hydrating for your brain and excellent for your immune system and flushing away any possible viruses, but drinking a lot of water ensures that you'll have to stand up and move every so often. You'll have to take bathroom breaks and also refill your glass. They say that sitting is the new smoking in terms of being bad for your health. So when you take a break, do a few stretches and bends or walk up and down stairs a few times. Or turn on some music and dance vigorously to one song. So number eight is to drink a lot of water. Number nine, define a st definite stop time. We talked a little about that earlier, but... Um, I mean, as much as you can put work out of your mind when it's time to be with your family or do other things. Um, at your stop time, actually turn off your desk lamp, maybe turn off your computer, close the door to your office if you have one. If you don't have an office, at least put your work materials away, preferably out of sight where you won't see them or think about them until morning. Um, because sometimes if you work at home, it can leak into all aspects of your day, and you want to avoid that as much as possible. So number nine is to define a definite stop time. And number ten is to go easy on yourself. It's sort of the opposite of all the others where I'm telling you, do this, do that. Number 10, go easy on yourself. If tips number 1 through 9 sound daunting and hard, don't do them or don't do all of them. Some people like me escape from anxiety and fear and depression by diving deep into projects and being productive. But you might not be wired that way. And if you're not, give yourself permission to loosen up and just do the basics. Get done whatever your job requires, of course, but decide what's most important and just do that. Sleep more, walk more outside, check in with friends and family more. Especially during these frightening times, don't add to your stress any more than you have to. By the time this pandemic is over, whenever that will be, maybe you'll find you like working from home. Or maybe you'll run back to your outside workplace as fast as your legs will carry you. Either way, you'll know that you gave working from home your very best shot.
And now, in keeping with our mission of living a more sparkling vintage life, I'd like to close with some wise words from Amy Vanderbilt, that doyen of etiquette and proper living. Writing nearly 60 years ago, uh, Miss Vanderbilt had this to say about time management. Whatever duty you have to your children and your husband, the household and the community, your duty to yourself as a woman must come first. A martyr is never a warm and comfortable woman. Easier said than done, you say. I have four children. I am up before seven, and I rarely get to bed before midnight. I am the family chauffeur. I am expected to take some part in community activities. My church needs me. I pay the family bills. I can never find time for myself. If all this is true, you are expecting too much of yourself, and letting other people expect too much of you. If you arrange time for yourself, you will be a better mother and a better wife, a more contributing member of the community. I talked to my friend Jane, asking her how it was she always had time to listen to her children, to her husband, and to her friends, how she maintained an air of serenity in a community that was literally rocketing around her. She replied, I don't let things run me. Jane has learned how to keep life from grabbing at her. She found that noise and interruption contributed to irritation. She asked her friends not to call her during the morning except in an emergency, for it is then that she is getting her housework done. She has time for friendly conversations during lunch, for her children have their lunch at school. From one to two o'clock she shuts off the telephone and takes a nap. I'd give a maid that much time off, she said. Why wouldn't I take it myself? When her children come home and settle down to homework, she takes the dog for company or an available child and has a brisk walk for fifteen minutes or half an hour. To get rid of the cobwebs, she explains, before she tackles dinner. Jane's dinners for the family are simple, never more than two courses with the salad served with the meat or fish. She is a good cook and gets great satisfaction out of preparing more elaborate meals for guests at least four times a month. At Jane's bedside there is always a book she is currently reading. She reads a chapter of it before she goes to sleep. If the phone doesn't interrupt, she reads another chapter over her lunch. She reads the morning paper, but never exhaustively, after the family is left, when she has a second cup of coffee. She never has the radio going while she is reading, but she does do her housework to music. Good music. <laughs> and that was Amy Vanderbilt writing in um, the mid-60s about good time management for people at home. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you have, again, I would ask that you leave a review at wherever you like to subscribe to podcasts. You can also send me an email directly at Jenny, J-E-N-N-Y, at sparklingvintagelife.com. I will be posting show notes at sparklingvintagelife.com slash podcast under episode 28. And that's it for today. 
I hope you will join me again soon when I will be discussing another aspect of a sparkling vintage life.